What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the CoreyCast. Today's episode is brought to you by TFSJujitsu.com. If you want to watch high-level jujitsu techniques that can help you drill and pick up the finer details for gi and no gi, all the way from omoplatas, triangles, takedowns, and the website's pretty cool. It also features a bunch of different instructors. And what I appreciate is that it's all like local, awesome instructors that teach here at Taikai. So from Dennis to Ben to Sam to, to Big Ed, it's a great website. Um, so go to tfsjujitsu.com and get yourself a membership. Now, today's guest is no other than my good friend Ryan Buck. I started training with him when he was like 13 and he was so tall that they ended up putting him in the adult class and he was pretty much my regular partner for most of it. Uh, Ryan is a very interesting character because ever since I've known him when he was 13, he's always wanted to go into the special forces. And when I... 13-year-old kid tells you that, you're just like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe one day. And then also you expect their opinions and their their prediction of the future to change. And he he explained in the podcast it did kind of a little bit. It went from Rangers to Green Bray to, uh, I think he said something in the Air Force, the Navy. So his opinions did change, but ultimately he ended up as a uh, U.S. Army Special Forces Ranger, which is pretty sweet so we we spent this podcast we just kind of talked about his uh his love and what his uh story is for being in the military uh the episode really kind of shines through on the personality of ryan he's a great dude and uh i really really love this dude so i hope you like this episode uh with my brother ryan buck Ryan Buck in the house, <laughs> sitting down to do a podcast with me. That's awesome. I'm yeah, pumped, dude. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long. I know. It's, it's been over a year. I know. Our relationship's pretty much bound to uh, Xbox, Xbox at this point. And just talking crap in meme groups. Yeah, I know, right? A lot of meme groups, 100%. Uh-huh. It's a lot of shit talking back and forth. So, <laughs> no, I, f- I figured I would be good one to, to sit and talk with you because it's like, it gives me a a good reason to see your face on video, and two, <laughs> I when I do the intro, I'm for sure gonna mention that you are the only person that I know who, since they were 13 years old, I think that was when I first met you, right? When did you start training at that guy? Yeah, I just turned 13. <laughs> 13. Uh, you were as tall as me, and you said you were gonna be a ranger in the military, and here you are, a special forces ranger in the military. Yeah. <laughs> who does that? Who the fuck? Who the f- when I was thirteen, I wanted to be a chef, yeah. and then I think I went through a phase where I wanted to be a garbage man. Who does that shit? <laughs> hey, garbage man got benefits though. They do. Right? Yeah, they got <laughs> they got benefits though. <laughs> well, shit, man. So tell me, wh- why why the Rangers? Why did you be- decide to become a ranger? 
so originally it started that I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Um, and then as the old story grows, uh, my uh, recruiters kind of screwed me over. Um, ah. I, signed, I signed up for the Navy. I had a, a contract to be a master at arms, which is basically a police officer on a ship. And then um, when it came to changing from that contract uh, to a special warfare one, you basically go, um, you cancel out your original contract, and then you sign like a Trump contract that basically mitigates the one that you had prior. So when I showed up to sign for that contract, um, a different one was present than one for the Navy SEALs, even though I auto-qualified for it. They tried putting me into a program that was more um, con- excuse me, more conducive to my test scores, which um, basically they're trying to put me into a nuke tech program. Nuke so, tech? Yeah. What on earth? You work on like submarines, certain types of ships where in you uh-huh. operate the nuclear reactors. I'm all set on that, dude. <laughs> submarine and a nuclear reactor those are like two things that do not mix nuclear reactor like i man i can barely work my cell phone you think i'm not gonna (laughs) (laughs) but so anyways and then i called i called the special warfare guy who is like in charge of the guys trying to become seals or swick or eod all these other programs and uh when I told him what happened, he lost his mind and he gave me my entire packet. Um, and he was just like, you know what, go find another branch, man, because screw this. You almost got screwed over and I'm not going to be the guy for that. Whoa. That's interesting. Yeah. And then I walked in, I walked into the air force and, uh, I tried to be a PJ, which is a pair rescue jumper. And basically, um, they're a walking combat doctor. Um, you attach to other special operations and you uh, support them medically or you're a, an extraction force for them medically. Um, oh, shit. That sounds serious yeah. business. It's, uh, it was definitely – it was it's something I've actually still considered to this day because I could get out and go do it. But then I um, – they were like, hey, you're too young because I was talking to them at 16. I joined at 17. Mm. So I wasn't old enough. I walked into the Army – because I would never join the Marine Corps. Um, <laughs> I feel like every branch of military like just shits on each other. Oh, okay. Everybody shits on the Marine Corps. The Navy shits on the Marine Corps and the Army. And then I think the Air Force is the one that everybody just shits on because they wanted to join it. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to get like flack for saying that you, you were going to be a, in the Navy at one point? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> My friends are just going to be, uh, how, what is this podcast rated? Like, what jokes can I say? Oh, you can say whatever, dude. doesn't matter. It's, oh, it's, it's pretty tell funny. Me that I'm obsessed with semen. That's what they're just going to Oh, tell. yep. Okay. That joke's right there. That yeah, joke's right it. there for your taking, though. There, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your story there. So I walked into the Army recruiter, and I was like, all right, uh, I want to be Special Forces, a Green Beret. And they were like, no, you can't. <laughs> the best reaction. No. no, you're too young. You can't do that. And this circles me back to, um, like, originally, like you said, it was Rangers. When I was, like, 13, I wanted to be a Ranger. Yeah. And then it shifted to um, uh, 
the uh, the seals. And then at that point, I was just like, all right, I'm reaching, I'm clutching at straws. And it brought me back. So I was telling them in the army, I was like, I want to be Green Beret. I want to be Special Forces. And they go, you can't. You're not old enough. And I, I literally turned around, and I was walking out of the office. And they go, but hey, we got Rangers. And like in my head, I was like, I mean, this is pretty full circle. All right. Yeah, right. And I go, and I'm just like, all right, so what's the deal? What do we do? And he uh, he talks me through it, and he uh, he lays out what jobs I, I had available, which is which was a lot. Um, I asked him what uh like how it would all work out, um, and then I think after like two or three meetings, I was at the uh, the medical programs for joining the military. Why I went the military there. when you were so young? Like why? Did you have such like a knack to go into the military? I don't, I can't like put my finger on one specific moment, but I have always wanted to join the military. I yeah, always like have. ever since I've known you, that's been the thing. Yeah. And, um, I have a, I have a philosophy that just, you have a moral obligation to do what you can while you can. And like, I'm an able-bodied person. Like I'm, I'm physically apt. Um, and I, it's just something that I was always good at. I was always had a knack for all of that kind of stuff. And it just kind of always felt right to me. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to fight it. Interesting. And for me, um, like, yeah. I, I felt like uh, when I was younger, I went through those stages where it was like, I wanted to be jokingly a garbage man, right? I wanted to be a chef. I was I went to college for graphic design. Mm-hmm. There was even a time when I was talking to my uncle, the one that you met at my wedding, the Green Bray, when you were talking to Uncle Sean. He um I called him one night and we had like a long conversation. I was like, If I join the military in your professional opinion, where should I go? What should I do? And I think I was like 16 at the time and i remember he said air force medic and i can't remember why but for like a solid year that was like what i was gonna do and then after a while i don't don't know why i never pulled the trigger on it which is probably maybe because that's just not me that's not who i am i guess it's more so the sense of like this sounds awful but um certain people just have more options and it's not that i didn't have options like i had i had I had high school um, athletics going for me. I had, obviously I could have stayed and stuck around and trained more and maybe had like some knack at trying to be an amateur fighter and then move on to whatever I could. I mean, I, I started early enough that it was like, you know, yeah, you were 13 I, years old and you were taller than me. Yeah. And I and left it. Let you into the adult classes. Yeah. I left at 17. So, I mean, only four and a half years of training wow. and, that's yeah that's, that's, so that's weird. Where, where i got to yeah when you put it in when you put it in terms like that especially for how long i've known you i'm like god damn you only train a tiger for four four and a half years that's so that's mm-hmm. wild that's so crazy you're yeah. so young when you trained damn yeah and it's like and now i like i've talked to i've started training again yeah and it was so embedded in my developmental years that i go like i'm at this new school and my instructor was just like two things why are you wearing a white belt and when do you think you're ready to test for your blue belt and you're like I'm, well i'm a i'm like a yellow stripe in the kids class yeah. <laughs> I was just like, 
Um, I mean, um, can you put me at one stripe green belt? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're in the legitimately in the kids program. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was one of the OGs. That, that, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then it's it's funnier now because like I I was bred in the martial arts world with all these dudes that had all this strength and technique on me and size. And I was just oh, yeah. this scrawny, pathetic string bean. Yeah. So well, I, I talked to Ben, I talked to Ben last episode and he said, I don't care what you say, but size does matter in jujitsu. And I was like, dude, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, it's, it came to the point where like I was trying to use technique and I was mastering everything. Like my foot, this foot needs to be in the right place. And it just broke it down so far to the fact that I had to concentrate on this that now when I go, I have that technique, but now I'm also 195 pounds. Yeah. Where it's just Your like. Your boy's thick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your boy's thick. That triple C, you know what I mean? That triple C. So, all right. So, going back to the military, the Rangers, and you were going to be a Green Beret. What is the difference between the two of them? Because I have no idea. Okay. So, um. We'll bring it. We'll start from bottom to top. So bottom is regular military, and that's your baseline Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. That's just guys that go through the basic indoctrination uh, training. They go through your basic training, your basic infantry tactics, or specialized schools, and that's it. Um, so, for the standpoint of the Army. That's units like Third um, Infantry Division, the uh, 101st. Um, they're technically an air assault unit, but the 10th Mountain up in Fort Drum. Those are all baseline units. And then you could argue that one step above is units like um, the 173rd in Italy and um, the 82nd in uh, Fort Bragg. They're, yeah, they're not just like infantrymen? Yeah, they're air they're oh. airborne infantry, so they they have the capability of jumping out of planes into activity. Now you take steps up from there. There's um, there's two. There's a few jettings. Now there's two fronts to the war of of every war, and that's um, front side, back side. You know, America, and then there's deployable forces and that's where you're going now special operations only branches pretty much into the deployable forces now right. in that sense there's another two fronts and there's direct action and then there's um allied forces so theoretically um for the the green berets they specialize in taking a, a country's military or rebel group or group of whatever and a small number of green berets will go and train those guys oh shit so then we don't need to have a sustainable fighting force there we have now trained people and we can just get out right so now green that beret is like small group they have a focus on training yes and, and i'm if I'm not, if I'm thinking of this right, they also assist with smaller 
missions to help them with training or to assist the local forces? I don't know how it... Earlier in the War on Terror, yes. Okay. They have phased out of that to risk, to uh, enact risk mitigation for American forces. Yeah, I just know my Uncle Sean couldn't talk about anything when he was in the military. And, uh, you know, when you were growing up, all, all we heard was just, oh, your Uncle Sean is a pretty scary dude. He's done some really crazy shit, I'm sure. But I'd never heard any of the stories. And that would be a really cool person to, to talk to if he's able to. like. I'm, I don't know if that's like all classified information he can't talk about. Most of it's probably declassified now because it's been so long. Typically, it's about five to ten years for operations to be declassified. But okay. um, even then, some of the stuff's never going to be declassified. Yeah. But the Green Berets focus on that. They'll take right. like a small group of of um. So okay, here's we'll we'll set up a mock scenario. Um. Say in Australia, the government becomes tyrannical. It then becomes a hostile nation towards America. What we would do is we would send Green Berets to Australia under the guise of them, you know, being whatever. Not They're not American anymore. They are people that can completely understand the dialect of Australians, and they can do the accent. They can do whatever. Um, and then they will train Australian rebel groups – to fight in our interest oh, under the guise of, Oh, we want you to be free. But in reality, it's your, your new government is against us. Gotcha. So it's, um, so the Rangers so, just go there and fuck it up. Then they just go and they, it's like team America all over again. America, <laughs> fuck yeah. So Rangers are a, um, they have two primary focuses. One is, um, direct action raid, so uh, an isolated point within a, a city, village, whatever, in whatever country, um, they gather enough intel to, to have significant information about this place, and then they're able to launch um, basically a facilitated raid. Just, I'm trying to f figure out how to say raid without actually using that word. Um, because attacks not the right word. Right. Um, but it's a facilitated action on a specific spot to capture the people in there. Oh, okay. Is there and other so, special force groups in the army other than because I, I just know the Rangers and the Green Berets? Um, there are. There's a few others, but um, there are like other ones that I that like their mission sets are so vast and wide that oh. um, you can't even give a description without like having the whole pamphlet. But um, most of them are attachments onto other special operations groups. Oh, shit, okay. Um, but then, so that's one part of the Ranger mission, but the other is um, the uh, our capability to do um, airfield seizures. So an airfield... Airfield seizures? Oh, like yeah. taking over an airfield? Yes. Oh, shit, that sounds... Uh, crazy. Say like in in the middle. We'll, we'll just keep using Australia because I guess fuck Australians. But um, <laughs> they, uh, say Australia pops off and they want to you know mess around and you know stop on the stars and stripes. <gasps> they uh, they um, say in the the here's Australia, but 
the nearest to the center or the nearest to a major port or the nearest to a major city is a um, a large um, facilitated with a lot of infrastructure airport. What we would do is we would take all the imagery we could, plan out as best as we could, and then at low altitudes, we would jump into this airport and take it over. And is low altitude because you're not detected by radar? Is that the thought? There's a lot of different things to it, but it's oh. also a concept that, like, if I see a dude at 1,500 feet, he's going to jump out of the plane at 1,500 feet. His parachute's probably going to open around, like, 1,200 feet. If I see him floating for 1,200 feet, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, right, right. Gotcha. If a guy opens his parachute at 800 feet and – he, his parachute opens at 400 feet. He's got 400 feet where he's falling pretty fast. Right. So bunch of Tom Cruise motherfuckers jumping out of a airplane <laughs> on an airbase. <laughs> but yeah, and then so from that point, we would secure the airfield. Um, we would then create a defensive position, and then we would land. American planes would then land there, and then they would be more occupation forces, and then they would from that just like a disease they would be like right there and they would just spread out and all and that's how they would take over a country yeah. they take over the infrastructure they would take over their major airports they take over the major cities and then that's that's how it works out but our our specialized piece is just the airfields oh okay interesting yeah and yeah like this like this is all public knowledge i'm not gonna get in trouble for any of this yeah that's, but, uh, that was another thing disclaimer yeah. i don't know what you can say but if i ask you a question that makes you feel uncomfortable. You just say the word pass. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, like if I wanted to just join the Rangers okay. and been in the military, what does that process look like? Okay. So you, you, this is from not in the military. Um, you would go, go into a recruiter and there's um, two ways to, to basically get, into the Ranger Regiment from uh, in general. It's when before you join, you can get it in your initial contract, which is what I did. It's called an option 40. Um, and basically it's guaranteeing that in your contract, you are going to graduate basic training. You are then going to go um, through whatever specialized school you have. And then when I went through, it was airborne school and then uh, the Ranger assessment selection. Now, I don't mean to interrupt you, but is it limited? Is that contract limited on how you do your? I think it's called ASVAB. You're like yeah, your ASVAB. Okay. You need a your GT score, which is your uh, general technical score, which is your basically your overall score, uh, needs to be at least a one ten. I don't know what that means, but that sounds crazy high. So, um, from reference, you know I'm an idiot. Uh, I have a one twenty one. So Damn. like, all right, cool. Uh, but that's the number one thing that actually stops people or, or criminal record. Um, oh shit. Interesting. Yeah. There, there's, you're going to have a hard time getting into the military at all with a criminal record, but you're definitely not going to get in range from a criminal record. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so yeah. So after you pass, you, you got the contract and then yes. so there's another way. So the other way is obviously if you come into the military and you ask for a contract later, uh, you have to, you have to apply. It's way harder that way. Um, like so hard because you have to get 
your current units and your current chain of commands permission. And obviously nobody wants to lose you. Nobody yeah, wants to right. lose the guy to thinking that he's better. Um, which if you make it here, quite frankly, you just are, you are better. Um, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll let you elaborate more on that. Yeah. It sounds so cocky, but like we're, we have better training. We have better equipment. We have just better quality of people. Um, like so you, you had just... to go through like airborne school. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. uh, my cousin Ryan had mm-hmm. done that, um, but he is definitely not in ranger school. So airborne is pretty much anybody can take that that education. Uh, to like get it, you have to get it. It's kind of harder for people to get it, but it's not crazy hard. And what um, are you doing in airborne school? So it's a basically a three week course where it's crawl, walk, run, which is just about everything in the army. Crawl, walk, run is the pace at which you learn. Um, practice then do uh you you learn how to properly land on the ground then you learn how to utilize the momentum of the parachute and then week three you're jumping out of planes fuck that noise yeah. <laughs> um it's at about 1500 feet and yeah i know it, i know the uh green beret like i guess you would call it the training to get in like what would you call that Oh, um, it's SFAS, Special Forces Assessment Selection. There you go. So I know that process is very hard. Is that the same process to get in a ranger, or is that completely different? So that that course is far. It's far shorter, but they have a unknown. Well, they say it's unknown, but they have an unknown factor that they um, they put in, and that's like there's a an interview at the end, we'll call it an interview at the end. Um, and basically your personality type plays into whether you're going to get in there. Like if I went and showed up and then I acted cocky and douchey, they might not want that right now. So they might be like, yeah, well you made it through the entire selection. You passed everything with flying colors, but we don't oh, like who the person. I'd be so mad. That, oh, test, there was- that, that whole thing seems so hard. Yeah, so it's 19 days, um, and yeah, it sucks. I have a bunch of friends that did it. I've what, do you, considered... what do you have to do? I, I don't know. You do, like, land navigation. Oh, which... this is for the Green Berets? Yeah, this okay. is, like, yeah. So it's you do a crazy land navigation course. You do a crazy long ruck march. You, you do around. I I don't – I think so, maybe. I don't know. Um, I just remember watching a documentary a long time ago. You might. I don't know. But, um, yeah, and uh, and then – so that's just a selection. If you get selected, you go into uh, the qualification course, which is anywhere from 18 months to two and a half years. Huh. And, yeah, that um, – like that's just based on which job you get. And then from there on, you're, uh, you're a Green Beret. And then you go to whatever group you're assigned to. For Rangers, do you have some – is it structured the same way? So we have one selection, and then we have a, a secondary school that you have to go to eventually. Um, have you gone to it yet? Yeah, I went through it um, in 2016. Went uh-huh. through it. I went through the the first one. I had a I had a lucky incident where I showed up, and I was I was just super in shape, and I was super ready to go, and. I mean, I I wasn't comfortable where I was, so I was just ready to be like, yeah, let's go, let's get it over with. 
And so they saw that and they were, they sent me really early. Um, oh, and then I just I passed on my, my, my first try. Um, but that's, that's ranger school. Um, ranger school and being an army ranger are two different things. Right. And for that, um, I, I can break those down after we finish out this question. But um, yeah, so based on that, the difference in the pipelines is um, Green Berets is longer, more, um, it's more adult styled because they want people who are mature. They want oh. people that can make decisions on their own and be adaptive and, you know, deal with a small group for a long period of time under stressful situations. You can't have people arguing when you're in the middle of a country where nobody knows you're there. Yeah, that's, like, the one thing that I've always said about my Uncle Sean. He's always, like, very, he's very, like, chill when you talk to him. I've never yeah. seen that dude get mad. I've only seen him laugh and be like, what do you guys want for dinner? Like, yeah. you know, there's no, like, in between for him. I love that mm -hmm. dude. Yeah. Like, uh, you saw, we talked for, like, what, 40 minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was funny. And was we weird. just, we literally just kept going and going and going. It's because, like, that those types of personalities, like, the second I told him what I did, he was just like, boom. This, the yeah, right. Like, news that I understood. And so, but then obviously Rangers is a bit more fueled by fire. Like we are, we have a lot more young kids that come into our program. So you need structure, you need a lot of discipline and you need, um, uh, you need a more intensive selective process in terms of physical capability. Huh. So, um, and maturity in that sense. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Ryan Buck mature. That's hilarious, <laughs> right? That's hilarious. I know. Like putting myself into that, but then, like people can't sep people from back home can't separate work, Ryan Buck, and who I was. Yeah. Because oh, this guy wasn't. This guy didn't have a serious bone in his body. And when they interact with me now, I'm still very calm. I'm very chill. I don't let. I haven't let anything go to my head because it's just not not who i am right that's no there's no point that eh, people change the fuck you yeah do. so when you're uh you're doing your like ranger court like what are you in like i just for some reason i picture a class and then halfway through class you do some outside shit and then you go back to doing more book work like i'm i'm such an imbecile i don't know how it works all right so all right so we'll go we'll go back to the difference between um rangers being an army ranger and ranger school so the ranger school is a army leadership school that a lot of people go to uh -huh. it's it's a it's a school that just blatantly sucks dick it is <laughs> it is so awful i hated every second of it but i would never change it for my entire life because i have some of the greatest friends that i still talk to to this day um from that school I've cuddled with more men than you've probably high five. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a reality. And so basically you go to this school and it's kind of like that. You learn, you go to a classroom, you learn, but it's an outside classroom. It's literally just a chalkboard in the middle of the woods um, with a couple benches around. That's like what I pitched. Like I pictured like a, like a wooden hut that you had to build with your hands and then a teacher like saying, build a chalkboard for me to teach you on. You're like, Oh, I don't know how to shit. We got to scramble and make one. 
No, so basically you go, and it's that same principle of crawl, walk, run. And you start in the first phase, which is um, just smaller groups of people operating under high stress to accomplish operations that are like mock operations, fighting against fake enemy. Um, and you're just kind of, you know, um, you're expected to perform as a group and as a leader while sleep deprived, food deprived, and under constant, uh, basically constant supervision and stress. Um, and then all the time you're dealing with your peers. Uh, as you know, my personality uh, isn't always the fan favorite. <laughs> so like, that's what you also have to consider is not everybody <laughs> a lot of people didn't like me, but I knew what I was doing and I got my job done. So they couldn't, they couldn't fault me. They were like, yeah, he's annoying as hell and he doesn't shut up and he's always making jokes and we really hate how white his smile is. But <laughs> at the same time, he's also getting people passing grades because he knows what he's doing and he's helping them. But this is all physical stuff. This isn't like I'm not writing out a test. Right. Like, like me. Did you have and... to do any DBQs when you're in there? Do you remember yeah. what a DBQ was? <laughs> I can't even spell DBQ. <laughs> uh, oh, you didn't have to do any DBQs in Ranger School, man. <laughs> you basically get you're you just get smoked all day long. <laughs> You barely eat, you barely sleep. There's people screaming at you nonstop, and you just have to learn to live with it, and you have to learn to deal with it, and you have to learn to, to grow in a mature way so that you can you can pass. And then it moves on to your second phase, which just makes the group way bigger, literally like four times the size. It goes from like 10 to 12 people to like 40 to 48 to 50 people, oh. and you and you have to work. To, to control all these people at the same time while trying to conduct operations all while you're sleep and food deprived. Sometimes you're eating once a day. Sometimes you're eating once every two days. Sometimes you're sleeping maybe two hours one night, maybe four hours the next night, or maybe you didn't sleep at all. You walk until the sun came up. Like you just, like you don't know. Damn. And again, like you could be in, you could be hanging out. You could just be Joe Schmo in terms of an operation, and then the next minute you were put in the head leadership position. You have to always be ready to take over everything. You have to know all of all of the operation. You have to know what's going on at all times because you don't know when you're about to get graded. And if you fail, you're going to recycle, and you're going to have to do that phase again. Man, what did that do to your, like, like were, do you feel you were a different person when you got out of that? Because that kind of pressure would, like, kind of morph it's, some people, I feel like. So – People take it different ways. I can tell you how I took it. I took it in a sense of like it really changes your frame of reference of what you're capable of. Like it, it truly makes you like be like, wow, I can be pushed way further than I ever thought before. Yeah. And not to mention that, but it also put me in a in a perspective of just like um gratitude. It made my, my appreciation for my martial arts training a thousand times more because in both my programs that I went through to be to get to where I am now, 
you have to um you really have to uh like see a long-term goal like your like your perspective on long-term goals is going to make or break you right and like <laughs> as we talked i was 13 years old training in the kids class getting beat up every single day and i never even got my blue belt but I kept coming every day. Just showing I, up. I was in there five, six times a week. That's it. Doing Muay Thai with you, doing jujitsu with all the guys, um, getting doing Jeet Kune Do after hours with Sifu and boxing on weekends with either Musatelli or Darren, MMA with Dennis, like all this when I could be having a social life and hanging out and chilling, but that's what I was choosing to do. Yeah. And like it really, really makes made me reflect and be like, wow, those dudes like really shaped me as a human being, like as a man. But I would not be where I am to this day without dudes like you, without dudes like Musatelli, Ken, and first and foremost, Sifu. Because like Sifu is the one who brought me to Taikai. Without him, I I tell him this all the time, and he always tries to downplay it. I know for a fact I would not be here. I would not be where I am sitting right now. And, like, that's the main thing that I drew away from inner school. It's just like, wow. I went from a punk 17-year-old kid who was getting into some dumb stuff, who was who was, had some priorities, but ultimately, like, I was not on the right track. And that now... I was there. I was standing where like countless people wanted to be. Like we started with 300 and something people and there was less than a hundred of us. And that I was one of them. And I was just like, wow, why was I stronger than all of them? Why was I not mentally that? Why was I not that mentally weak? Damn. So Shit, that was very kind of you to say, I appreciate <laughs> the love. That was, I, I feel like I don't, I don't deserve any of that. That fucking no, you kind of did it on your own. You're the one that built the chalkboard in the woods, dude, with 40 <laughs> other people. I'm just gonna morph this story into something else. <laughs> oh, but, but thanks. Um, that was very, that was very kind of you to, to say. Not many people your age, especially when you're 13, were spending the kind of time that you were doing martial arts too, which is is interesting in the sense that, like, you know, maybe like there's a lot of kids in the kids' class, meaning, like, probably, I'd say, like, 10 and below. But when you start getting, like, teenagers, you know, you start yeah. getting friends, you start working out of your your zone a little bit, you kind of, you want to hang out with your friends more, you know, it kind of, your perspective changes, I guess. So you don't really see kids like that still honing yeah. in. So it's kind of, that's cool. Kids want to have life. Kids get, they get distracted into other things, and they, they want to go and be like, oh, well, maybe I want to explore this, maybe I want to explore that. And I don't know, for some reason, me, I just, I was like, you know what? This is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. Damn, that's heavy. So yeah. you finish ranger school. And yes. then are you officially a ranger then, or can you be knighted a ranger before then? So I was knighted or <laughs> I was knighted a ranger before then. I can't believe I just said that. Did I use term. that military term correctly? Knighted. Yeah, yeah. That was actually spot on the head. Uh, the queen <laughs> <laughs> but all right so no um we went out of order we went out of order though so what happens first is if you want to be an actual army ranger is you have to go through um 
the the largest kick in the nuts I've ever been through. And it was a ranger assessment selection phase. And it's eight and a half weeks, or it was, this is all my perspective from when I went through. Do the rules change on that? Four and a half years ago. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, shit. Changed. That's interesting. They're always like tweaking it and making changes to it. Yes, because they have to adapt it. Um, a, for uh, obviously um, social standards, they have to adjust certain things. Um, but also. I got to poke at you. What do you mean, social? Pass. Pass, okay. <laughs> I, I told you you can use the pass. <laughs> that's funny. That's, this is a, that's a hard pass. That's I, can't. That's, I told you you can use the pass. I'm holding a bag of worms that I don't. but continue so um, basically yeah they tweak it they change it up and they make certain things more difficult they make certain things easier they make it's it's all it's a it's an adaptive process it has to be fluid it can't just be one set in stone thing and then you know that's it so basically um it's eight and a half weeks of just dog shit it sucks (laughs) Um, they, they smoke the shit out of you, um, your first day. So I, I, I'll, again, I'll count my specific experience. We, we were right after Christmas. So you get to go home for Christmas. So they had an overflow of people trying to class up, like trying to join the class. There was 400 waiting to class up. Normally there's about 200. Jeez. They were super overbooked. So we started my class with 285 people. So on, I think it was like January 4th, we started January 4th. By midnight, January 5th, 100 people would quit. Wow. That's crazy. It, okay. I, if, I don't know, if I'm there, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe it's a lot harder than I'm, I'm thinking in my head, but. If I made it that far, I'd be like, no, fuck it. I'm going to finish this, what did you say, eight weeks or whatever? Eight and a half weeks, yeah. I'm going to finish this eight and a half weeks. I I wouldn't drop out, but I guess I'm, not everybody's the same, I guess. The thing, like, there's some people that they, there's some people that don't even say that. They don't even care. They're just like, I'm just like, I'm just here to try. And I'm like, okay, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, Interesting. I, I remember a specific incident that the guy who was in the bunk above me kept talking about how I was going to quit. And I straight up was just like, I mean, you're the only one that has said quit 19 times. Interesting. I like, and I was just like, it's in your head, dog. I was like, that shit's not even like, that's not even a possibility for me. Two days later, he quit. Interesting. And I was just like, why, why are you like, why are you trying to talk, like talk me like I'm going to quit just because you're mentally weak. Well, isn't it also too like the, like the MO of army dudes, they just kind of like rag and shit on each other all the time. Give each other a hard time. They not in that, not in a lot of those programs, unless you really have an issue with somebody Ah. like dude, they're like, it's a camaraderie. You're sucking together. Like you're hating your life together. Like that, like right after the first day, you already went from a 285 to 185. Yeah. But you're like already like feeling like, Holy crap, dudes. Like, we made it through the first day and that's what it took out. So like, we're already like pretty nice together Yeah. at the end of the class after eight and a half weeks, we had 70 people left. Wow. Seven, seven, zero. Yes. 215 people quit or failed something. Whoa. 
What's an example of something you could fail that they would say, all right, get, get the hell out of here? Um, a ruck march, 12 miles um, with, a, I think it's a, they say a 35-pound pack. It is in no way, shape, or form 35 pounds. Uh, it's a packing list. It's everything like they say that you have to put in there. And I promise you it's more closer to like 50 pounds. And then you have water. So you walk, you walk 12 miles and you have to do that in under three hours. Under three hours? Uh-huh. So terrible at math, but 15 I feel minutes like of... I could not walk 12 miles regularly in three hours. I, I'm, I'm going to be power walking that bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you do. You have to you, – you power walk. So it's 15 minutes every mile. That's what you have. You'd see me like the old ladies with like the two-pound weight vest, like the two pounds in each hand. <laughs> you see me in ranger school passing by people. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's the that's the Man, that's unfortunate. I, yeah, I would be I would be so upset at myself if I got that far and then flunked out of class because of me not yeah. being able to walk three miles. Like I'd be like, what the fuck? I'd be well, hard on myself. There's the PT test, uh, which is uh, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, five-mile run, and then pull-ups. You have to meet certain standards. Um, and, like, I don't know the – I don't know what – I don't remember what they are. So you have to meet the, – the rest of the military is a 60% on, the, on the, the, the physical test. For us, it's 80%. If you get below 80%, you, you failed. Oh. Um, for me, I don't, I don't even know what 80% is. And that's, that's typical of a lot of rangers. We don't know what 80% is. We only know what hundred percent is. Like uh, I, I, my, my score cap is did it. in two minutes, in two minutes, I have to do 72 pushups. I have to do 80 sit-ups. I have to do a, um, I have to do a five mile and under 40 minutes, which for me is usually under 35 minutes. And then I have to do at least 15 pull-ups. That's what I, that's what, that's in my head, what I have to do. So it's like, like a wimp. But, like, when you do it for so long and you kind of – you're you're next to dudes that are, like, doing it, you're just like, fuck you. You did 74 push All right, fucking bet. I'm going to do 76. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny how you can feed off the energy of, of groups of people, you know? It's... And it, it, it's – that's the positivity of, of being surrounded by a lot of – this is gonna sound so douchey, but like alpha personalities. Oh like, my and god, it, dude, you're such a douchebag. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like, that's like sincerely like the we're all super competitive. We're all super type A. We're all like just very, very augmented in the the aspect of like competition and being the the best us that we can be. Right. Some people turn it into I'm gonna be better than everybody and fuck you for trying. And there's some people that are like, I'm going to be better than everybody. But if you pass me, that's awesome because then I get to pass you again. Ah, so let's. That's a so good that, mentality right there. That's, that is the leader mentality. Like my mentality for being in charge of people is I don't want people to. F okay. And they say it in two parts i don't want people to fear me i want people to fear disappointing me huh but then also if you disappoint me too much you'll probably be afraid of me 
you'll probably be afraid of me. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's you can always tell a bad leader when. I think we've seen examples of it in martial arts where, probably not like in our, our circle, but yeah, some our... martial art teachers like don't want you to become better than them. Like, they don't want to like reveal a secret. Yeah, like almost like. I can think of one person, and I don't want to say my no, life. No, no, no. We don't have to call anybody out, but I'm just like I can't personally. Me, I can't think of anybody. Maybe yeah. when we get off this podcast, you'll text me that name, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." But I can't think of anybody I know that's like that. Like that's, even... I think that's a very flawed leadership mentality. I know I when to... I coach my dudes, I want those guys to to excel and do something better. Yeah, than me, like one hundred percent of the time, not eighty percent. I want you guys to be able to throw a jab cross hook with better form and technique than I can. Yeah, if one of the the people that I am teaching surpasses me, that means that I did a really damn good job. What kind of things are you teaching there? Well, for me, it's not really. I don't. I don't really teach much. You, for our, from what we get, and we get just like, we get kids, man. Yeah. We just get kids that like have like my the last two guys that we've gotten have been like like 18 like just yeah. you have no life experience so you just try to you just try to guide them you try to like make sure they don't go buy a a brand new car with a 30 percent interest rate that's going to be a 600 dollars a month payment and you just yeah. make sure that they don't go marrying some girl they just met downtown because they want to get out of the barracks dude that is a total military and i don't care what people say man but that is such a military you marry somebody within like a listen and everybody is different. There's cases that work. Listen, you could know oh, yeah. somebody for two weeks. You can marry them, and everything works out great. But the military's yeah. got that thing. Is that what it is? You get out of the barracks if you marry? Is that the thing? Yeah, and the, the barracks sucks. I, yeah. I like obviously my past relationships. You know, uh, yeah, but like I've never oh, jumped in marriage. So, yeah. but like I. I moved out i didn't yeah. live here it's, it's like would you rather have your own house or would you rather eat dudes farts all the time <laughs> that's not that does not sound like a fun time oh my lord so what like if uh if you had to pick one thing what's like the coolest thing you got to do while being in the rangers um mine was job specific um i needed to learn how um high altitude parachute systems work and i got to go to free fall school skydiving free fall school mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's building the to the capacity the capacity to uh jump from higher altitudes um what's the highest which, you've jumped from Seventeen thousand. i don't know how to gauge that i don't know if that's <laughs> i don't know if that's you could have you literally could have said uh, like 40,000 feet. I would have been like, oh, impressive, dude. Commercial airliners fly at thirty to 35,000. So I was halfway oh. up. Okay. So All right. Commercial. Oh, so typical civilian skydivers jump at 15,000. Oh. So I was, well, they go 10,000 to 15,000. So I was about 2,000. Two nerds. Well, it was required because after 15, after around fifteen thousand, you need oxygen. You need an oxygen tank and an oxygen, 
So to, to get proficiency with the system, we did a jump where we needed oxygen. Whoa. Was mm-hmm. that intense? And then, it's cool. It's were, really cool. Were you nervous? Dude, jumping on a, you're talking about this right now, and I'm seriously, I'm starting to, like, my pits are starting to get sweaty. Like, I'm not trying, <laughs> I'm not trying to jump out of no planes. All right. So I had already been through the, the regular airborne school, which is way more sketchy. It's way more sketchy. That is rank as fuck. There is like, oh my lord. Okay. It's like the Kmart of jump schools. It's it is. It's not okay. This the school itself is run very well, but that platform of jumping is fucking sketch balls. All right, fair enough. I wouldn't if if I could pay a portion of my paycheck for the rest of my career to never do that. I would. I would. 100%. <laughs> um but i yeah but this school is just a lot of fun but like i spent this is i spent about a month in yuma arizona waking up at like 3 a.m every day watching the sun rise over the desert um and seeing the grand canyon from fifteen thousand feet almost every single day watching the sunrise Damn. Like that, that's something I will never fucking not like it. I just, you just can't beat that. Yeah. And not to mention, like you're jumping and from that altitude, you can see the curvature of the earth begin. When you're little... you say curvature of the earth. Nah, dog, it's flat, bro. You can, you probably saw the edge, dude. That's probably, <laughs> I saw the ice wall. You're right. My bad. The ice wall that's right near California. That's you. got it. <laughs> Yeah, dude, fucking <laughs> wake up, sheeple. <laughs> but no, and so you you see that, and it's just wild. It's absolutely insane because you're literally watching the sunrise over that, and um, but you just you just kind of have this zen feeling, man, because it's not like you're not looking out a door. You're looking out a giant ramp, and you're just standing there, and you just there's nothing, and you're just you know that you're about to just fall flat to the earth. And it's it's surreal. Yeah, it kind of puts um, it in perspective, right? Yeah, it really does. Um, but you kind of you're not that scared, and unfortunately, again, it's crawl, walk, run. The first uh, the first week is you do like ground. like you team jumping. No, no, the first week is just ground week. Um, oh, okay. You how to you learn how to all the the proper stuff all the the systems and stuff like that and then you get in the tunnel and the tunnels those big wind tunnels you see and i sucked at the wind tunnel it's bad really? the wind, yeah three minutes in a wind tunnel costs about three hundred dollars i have 30 minutes spent in a wind tunnel and i can tell you right now i still sucked this day <laughs> The only time that the instructor was ever able to let go of me was the last time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and I was like freaking out. And this was on Friday, and the weekend comes around, and Monday I know that I'm jumping out of a plane. Oh man! <laughs> and, I, and I just sucked ass at that. Like I couldn't yeah. sit. Still. I would, and so like, you see that. And then they show us all these class videos of like classes before us. And the first time people jump out, they just flip and they tumble and they twirl and they do all this stuff. And you're just, cause you, it's not natural. No. 
it's not natural to fall out of a plane. That so, next week when you jump, do you go with somebody? Like, are you jumped attached you, to somebody? Yeah. You have one instructor with you. Are they attached in the back or the front? They're not attached. What? The first time you jump out, you're not attached. Bro, they're not attached? No, they're just like, like, they are, they are like, so this is the exact incidence that that happened. I was the, because I was the heaviest guy on my group. My instructor and I were in the front and I'm standing there looking out like i see it and he just looks at me and he goes hey man we're gonna go on three i'm gonna hold on to your chest strap so when we jump out i'm staying with you and i'm near you all i'm thinking in my head right now are all the things i could say to stall him (laughs) so wait okay so you're gonna go one two three then we jump or you go one two three jump right then or do we one two three wait a second then go (laughs) Yeah, so you wait for a green light, and the green light, the what's called the jump master. We, we talk about this all the time. Right. Um, the jump master says green light, go, and they give you the go ahead. They send you. They say go ahead, bro, and the instructor goes, all right. He goes three, two, and he pulls me out on huh? two, and he jumps out. We agreed on three. And so, well, it's because he's gonna he jumps out backwards to watch me. So if he jumps out and I just stand there, he just he literally just watches me stand there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like then how pissed off he'd be. Yeah. So instead I like he grabbed on and he yanked me out so I didn't hesitate. And I hit the air and I completely belly down and I do a three I do a three sixty and then I was fine. I didn't flip. I didn't tumble. I didn't do anything. I jumped out. I went into a, I did one little spin around and then he sees me and he goes, and that's the sign for like, okay, like not bad. Okay. So the, the shaka bro. And he, uh, <laughs> like, and then we had a sequence that we had to do in the air, which, um, left turn, right turn, um, high lift track, um, which is basically just moving forward at a high rate of speed. And, that was it. And that was at like 15,000, my first one. And then it would have been like, yell for my mom, piss my pants, and then probably (laughs) shit my pants right before I pulled the, the, the parachute. Yeah. But like this entire time, the instructor's like this close to you and he's like looking at you and he's like, like making sure you're okay. He's just like, Hey, no, hey. he's just like, relax your legs. Or he's just like, Hey, loosen the hands or he'll just be like fucking hands. It, it, like there's symbols that they teach you. you have to yeah, right. And so, um, yeah. And like I jumped out and I remember, I remember his face. I remember his name. His name was fucking Tony. And, fucking was, Tony. <laughs> and that's exactly how, so I was roster number 26 and roster number, no, I was sorry. I was 27, and my buddy was roster number 26, and me and him only referred to him as fucking Tony. Fucking and, Tony. Yeah, and he was this short, short African American, uh, uh, Air Force guy, and he was hysterical. He was so funny, but he's also <laughs> apparently the meanest teacher, like the hardest coach. And so we get to the ground, and uh, like I see him hoofing it over to me and i'm like oh shit 
fucking Tony's coming. And I was just like, all right, cool. And he gets there and he's just like, that was dope. And I was like, what? And he goes, dude, you like, that was awesome. That was perfect. You did everything. You had that only one little spin, but I think next time you're going to be perfect. And I was just like, thank you. And he goes, all right, get on the bus. And I was like, all right, cool. Cause you're in the middle of the desert. Uh... And they drive, you drive, they drive you back to the schoolhouse. You pack your parachute again, and then you jump two to three times a day. And then, wow, really? Yeah, usually, um, like the sun again. The sun comes up at like four thirty in the morning in the desert, so you're just kind of you try to beat the heat. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and you you just jump, jump. Like in that school alone, I got twenty five skydives in like two weeks. Wow! Holy shit! That's oh god! That's so many. Jeez. Yeah, you do what? it a lot. What would you say, like, so if you could change one thing, this is going to be a two-part question. If you could change one thing about the Army, what would it be? And one thing about the Rangers, what would it be? I wouldn't change anything about the Army. I would change people's opinion about the Army. Interesting. The The Army operates as a machine, and every cog has its place, and everything is very methodical. What I would change is this is kind of changing the army, but I would I would change how the public's opinion has altered the army. We have become way too inclusive of, a, of a, an employer. We are not an inclusive employer. There is a thousand things to disqualify you from military service. Like you, there you can't just get into the military. There's like people think that it's so easy to get into the military. Like if you have flat fucking feet, guess what, Jack? You're not getting in the military. What? Sorry. Yeah. What do you mean? If, I got two you, feet. I should be in the military. You got flat feet. You fucking sorry. Guess what, buddy? You're not coming in. <laughs> you had asthma when you were nine, and you're now 29. It doesn't fucking matter. You're not getting into the army. Like people don't realize that. So how would you? What would you? You would make it more inclusive, or I, I would make it way more exclusive. Like okay, so you'd put tighter restrictions on it. This isn't. <sighs> Um, I would, I, I would make it so outside opinions are having less of an effect on what I am putting priority on. Okay. I could be training for more medical courses and I could be having dudes practice marksmanship far more, but instead I'm having guys do training on why how we're going to have um transgender bathrooms in our buildings when we only have men in our unit okay interesting so it's just like was this like recent shift over the past couple of years or has it well i guess you've only been in the military for how long you've been um about five and a half years so yeah you've probably seen before i got in but i mean it's gotten obviously more progressive and more traction interesting um but like we're doing sensitivity programs for things like this. And I'm, trust me, you know, me, I'm very, very all about all of this and all that lifestyle. But if I'm having guys take two weeks out of the year to do this. Instead of a marksmanship training. Yeah. Or I gotcha. Medical training. It's just like, so you did the, so that would be the army, right? That would, that would be what you would change with the army. What about like the Rangers or is that included in the Rangers too? 
No, that's just the army. Um, hmm. And uh, for the record, I'll say when <laughs> I met up with Ryan Buck in Savannah a couple years ago, I got very drunk with him and ended up in my hotel room, blacked <laughs> out. And when I woke up at about 8 o'clock, <laughs> Ryan Buck texted me at a <laughs> gay parade, a gay pride rally and said, where you at, bitch? <laughs> well, okay, don't, don't get crazy. You messaged me and you go, I'm just waking up. Where are you? What are you doing? What happened? And I sent you a shirtless picture of me holding a gay pride flag <laughs> walking down the street because I was in a gay pride parade. Yeah. But anyways, I just I just want to – I'm just giving support to say that you're yeah. a very good guy. That's all. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Anyway, anyways, so Ranger, you could change one thing as being a Ranger. What would it be? Um – Hmm. Ah, uh, man, that's not. That's not. That's not really an easy question, because it. I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's a fantastic unit. I think it's a fantastic way of life. Um. Like, if all honesty, I could change one thing. It would probably be um. Changing the order of our pipeline a little bit. Um, we, so like how we go through RAS, um, and so we go through RAS and everything like that, and then we go into being in the unit, and then eventually going to Ranger School. Um, I think that we should just go to RAS and then go straight to Ranger School, so we're not wasting our time. Okay. People would say that that's. Um, the whole aspect of too many chiefs, not enough Indians kind of thing. Right. Um, I was actually, you know, culturally sensitive, but you know, whatever. Um, but that would be probably my thing because it, it would weed out a lot of people that don't belong there that somehow make it through the the cracks of our selection program. Interesting. And would just because it would like save you time, basically, it would just like, it's kind of like save, cut into the chase. Yeah, it would save time. It would save money. It would save resources. It would save me putting in my efforts onto some 18, 19-year-old kid who in a year fails out from the one thing that gets me, gets to keep him. Yeah. So it's just like, ah, shit. I wasted all this time developing this guy. Like, yeah, he's going to be a better human being, and he's probably going to be grateful forever for me. But at the same time, it's also like, well, now he's gone, and I got nothing out of him. Right, right. What's so, um, what's been your least favorite part about being in the military? Um, we talked about all the cool like pros and cons, but what's the one thing that you really like? Kind of bums you out about the military. I guess this could be like in whole or in just a particular well, sector. One hundred percent experienced it. Um just everybody's missing like my life like my family came down and visited me just recently and they were just like wow you you have a whole life here and i'm like yeah like you saw it coming in i've got i've got a lot of friends i have like i know like i i've lived here for almost five years now and 
it just kind of sucks that like, yeah, my family's going on, they're doing their thing. And then look at my, my nephews are living, my nieces are living, my brother, my sister, all my friends, they're doing all this, but I'm just kind of, I like, I'm just missing it. Yeah. And my sister, my, I think my sister texts me more than anybody. And even then that's like maybe once a week. Yeah. And so it's just kind of, it sucks. Like it doesn't get to me anymore. Like it did for a while just cause you know, I was still a young kid and yeah. All full of angst. Yeah. And the perspective changed. Like now I realize they all have their families. They got their lives. People grow apart, but it still just sucks a little bit. Yeah. Right. I can only imagine like not being able to see, see your family members or like, I always, you know, I love Brittany very much and, my now my newborn son and i couldn't imagine being around not like being deployed and not being around them or even just like not getting a phone call from my grandmother it's kind of like it puts Mm -hmm. things uh into perspective i guess i've probably said that a few times yeah but a lot of things kind of put shit in perspective yeah that's the number one thing is like things get put into an entirely new perspective in this kind of lifestyle right like that's probably like, <laughs> not trying to call my, myself out, but that's like why my like my romantic life it's it's an extremely stressful life to try to to have while you're also doing this. It's simultaneously just not easy. Yeah, right. Why... Because not only are you handsome, but you have forty women texting you. Asking, <laughs> wow, yeah. since when did you get hot from high school? <laughs> oh my lord! Shut up. <laughs> you're so stupid so what's what's next for ryan buck like what does the future hold for you what what is your grand scheme probably a bottle of tito's or something i don't know man (laughs) so that's short term right what's like where do you i guess i could say it's like a i fucking hate this question but where do you see yourself in five years like what is buck doing in five years so Right now, officially, in 2022, I can be out of the Army. Um, and it's going to be – it's it's honestly on my mind to get out. Um, Why? America's starting to be a drag, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, or is like it she, just like the – also the weight of missing your family? I'm going to be honest. It's not even that. Like yeah. that, like not even like I've I've missed them enough. I I can do this. Like my the pros outweigh the cons of doing this for a career. They just do. I would retire at 37 with a pension, yeah. a disability, and health insurance, dental insurance for the rest of my life. That's just a reality. So like that outweighs. Like on the the first of every month, I would like at the rate that I'm going, I would wake up, and just getting out of bed, I would get like four to five thousand dollars just to get out of bed from the military because i did this yeah it's not it's not a hard sell so why end it then it just just everything like that's going on in the country and the world and everything like that i'm really you kind of again puts things in perspective i've been to numerous countries i've done numerous things and i'm just kind of like I could go like I've I've been looking into jobs lately. Um, yeah, what sector would you even go into? I I wouldn't even know how to place it. 
I would go into supply chain logistics, honestly. So supply it's basically supply chain would... logistics. Yes, that is what I specialize ah, in. Ah, good old SEL. <laughs> so basically i would just facilitate any sort of um uh, equipment needed for a, a business or i would mitigate um issues into running into suppliers or distributors for a company so like i say i did we'll use tesla because i that would oh that would be the dream job tesla <laughs> um, they are a corporation that has no um dealerships or uh services like they're all the like when you have an issue with your car it's super it's a super big thing because you can't just bring it to the dealership right you it has to be like getting work done on a tesla is super stringent so a basically tesla yes and their person's got to fix it when far between they basically have traveling trucks that are adapted to work on your tesla i got I wish uh, Spooches was in on this conversation. He dropped some knowledge bombs on us right now. Yeah, him and his Tesla. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, I know for a fact I'm going to get like 37 Facebook messages. Well, technically, when the second this drops. So... <laughs> shout, out to, shout, out to, shout out to my brother Mike here. I hope he yeah, does right. part and just blows up your Facebook to be an asshole. <laughs> but he's going to like tag me like 97 dealerships in Savannah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I would basically try to figure out a solution to that or my job would be to handle a region for part supply for uh, authorized dealerships that's what supply chain logistics is and i've been looking into companies in australia and new zealand what because, yeah because quite frankly like i said america is starting to be a drag man damn, damn. Yeah. i'm like you know i don't want to go and open up a a company here and you know have it firebombed or something just because i was in the global war on terror yeah man it's it's fucking crazy out there there's yeah, people... some days yeah. where i'm like i it feel kind of guilty bringing a kid in the world right now i'm like jesus christ everything is on fire right now there's just anytime you open up facebook you have people arguing with each other and there's a lot of things that i want to talk about with you but they're a hard pass. Yeah, that's all right. I told please. you you get passes. You unlimited passes. Anybody that comes on the podcast, unlimited passes. You're the first person to use it, though. Yeah, no, I have to. Yeah, I had to. All good, dude. Military. I totally get it. But um, no, yeah. I so I've just been like looking into jobs in Australia, New Zealand, because I mean, why not? What's what's keeping me here? I don't have a family. Like I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. What's going to happen? Uh, I get to be the cool uncle that lives in Australia that comes around once a year. I'm already that guy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You have to send him cool shit. Yeah. I'm going to send uh, my nephews just boomerangs to hit their parents with. Well, I will counteract your your argument, and I will say you do have family. And myself and Brittany included and your mother yeah. and everybody else that's here. But yeah. I think sometimes you kind of have to uh, find your own way, kind of do your yeah. own thing. I, I mean, I meant like a, a wife and kids. Yeah. So like, yeah, like obviously my mother and my, my you know, Bob and all them. I, yeah. You, uh, like my friends from high school, like, yeah, they're all, they're all like 
people that would hold me back from that. But there are also people that I that I took in consideration when I took the job that I'm doing now. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's one thing that's like if it wasn't for the age of technology communication and if you went to New Zealand I probably would be a lot more bummed than I am because I know if you went to New Zealand there's still so many different ways I can communicate with you as, oh, we would as opposed to like 30 years ago if somebody went to New Zealand I'm like oh that's a death sentence I'm never going to be able to talk to him again never, you know yeah I mean? now it's just like okay we're still going to suck at Warzone together <laughs> yeah right we're still going to play video games we're still going to shoot each other's stupid ass memes back and forth so yeah, what's exactly. the difference I guess yeah, I mean, it's it's 900 miles away or 9,000 miles away. What's what's Yeah, right, exactly. So, well, I know I know this is cliché to say and you kind of cringe when people say this, but I'm glad there's people out there serving in the military and I'm glad uh oh man. Um, <laughs> you're doing the shit that myself included and many other Americans would not want to do. So I very much appreciate your service and thank you for what you're doing out there. Well, the the number one thing that I say when people say thank me for my services, thank you for the support because <laughs> we couldn't do it without the people behind us. I know you always cringe when people say that shit to you. Oh my god, it makes You're me always like, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. Act like I'm a dog that just got beat. No, <laughs> like I'm like, oh no. You're not a dog that we beat. You're a, a human being that we care about and we appreciate. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate you doing the podcast, dude. Yeah, well. Of course, you know, I I love this, but I I need one favor from you. Yeah, what's up? When you sell my parents' house, please don't <laughs> let them put up that fucking mural of me again. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm snatching all of those, and it's coming with me to my house. Please. <laughs> if I walk into your house, <laughs> we don't use the dining room table anymore. Why? That's for you. <laughs> Just walk in. That's Ryan Buck's chamber. Welcome to my house. Seat in the house. He's got five seats. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> uh, thanks, dude. I appreciate you, and I love you. Thank you for doing oh, it. Hey, thank you for having me, and I'm super glad that we were able to do this.